It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Daily Premier League news and views. This is Football Social Daily. Welcome to Football Social Daily, the daily podcast keeping you up to date with all the goings on in the top flight of English football. And it is a massive day in the Premier League. News broke this morning that Chelsea owner Roman Abramovich has been sanctioned by the UK government and he's had all of his assets frozen including Chelsea Football Club. The Blues can still play matches, but there will be no ticket sales, no merchandise sales, no new signings, no new player contracts, no new investments, no more Chelsea as we know it. We'll get stuck into the details on today's episode of the podcast after that huge announcement this morning, which has rocked Stamford Bridge. The Blues actually play tonight in the Premier League, but that's somewhat of an afterthought at the moment for those in West London. Chelsea's game, one of four fixtures for us to feast upon in the Premier League tonight and four teams who are frantically fighting the drop are involved. Norwich, Newcastle, Watford and Leeds all in action in the top flight this evening. Plus we'll be sandwiching in some of the European fare on the menu today as West Ham swan off to Spain whilst the French have ferried themselves across the channel as Rennes play Leicester in the Europa Conference. So much to get stuck into on today's Football Social Daily and dining out on all of the talking points this morning. We've got the head of the table, Jim Salverson. How are you doing, Jim? I'm all right, thank you. My assets remain liquid at this time of recording. <laughs> when you talk about your assets when you're on your own, it sounds like something completely again, different. Jim. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. <laughs> and the other voice you can hear there is Marley Anderson. How are you today, Marley? I'm good. Um, one of the ways around um, not having your assets frozen is to simply, like me, not have any assets. So <laughs> if you, it's that head tap meme. You can't have assets if you uh, you can't freeze assets if you don't have them in the first place. So there you go. Now we can chuckle about that, but Chelsea fans certainly won't be chuckling as their football club has been seized by the UK government today. After the owner Roman Abramovich, the Russian oligarch, has had all of his assets frozen. Abramovich is one of seven oligarchs who have been targeted by the government today due to their close ties to Russian leader Vladimir Putin. The Premier League only found out the news 15 minutes before it was announced publicly, and that news came at about 9:30, 9:45 this morning UK time. This is the state of play at the moment. Chelsea are still able to play matches. They're still able to pay their staff and players under a special licence granted by the government. But as I've already mentioned, they won't be able to sell tickets. Only season ticket holders and people that have already bought tickets will be able to attend matches. The merchandise store, though, will close down. No sales will be permitted there or online. No new players will be able to be signed. No new contracts will be able to be offered to players. Travel to away games mustn't exceed a fee of £20,000. Chelsea play Lille in the Champions League away next week. That's going to be a logistical nightmare. And of course, all bids to buy Chelsea off of Abramovich are now off the table. Abramovich announced last week that he was putting the club on the market after nearly 20 years as owner. That is now being kiboshed by this decision taken by the UK government. So there's no time frame on the length of the sanctions we could see Chelsea plummet rapidly from here due to the current situation 
Massive news this morning, Jim. That is where we're at. That's the state of play. What are your thoughts on that announcement regarding Chelsea? I really feel for Chelsea fans and it's not something you want to see happen to any football club, particularly when it's a football club that you support. But it is fundamentally, in my view, the right move with a view to what is happening in Ukraine and Russia at the moment. And you talk about the sanctions that have been levelled against the seven oligarchs who are close to Roman Abramovich. They don't come much closer than Roman, sorry, close to Vladimir Putin. They don't come much closer than Roman Abramovich, who is considered almost a son to Vladimir Putin. So he is clearly, he's one of the men, he sits in his chamber, he's right-hand man, whatever you want to call it. He is desperately close to the Russian leader and they have both profited from each other and the support they've given each other, both financially and in a business sense as well. So it is the right move. But as far as Chelsea are concerned, I really feel for the supporters because obviously they played no part in this. They didn't start bombing an independent nation. They just want to support their football club. And the future of that football club is severely in doubt at the moment. It leaves them in a limbo, doesn't it? Because we know Abramovich wants to sell the club. There have been some statements in the last literally couple of minutes. I mean, this is super fast moving at the moment. It's new news. The situation changes all the time. But apparently the government will consider a license in the future that allows Chelsea to be sold. So this isn't a scenario that could go on as long as Abramovich's assets are frozen, which who knows, it could be five, it could be 10 years. It could be a longer period than that. We've no idea how long this conflict is going to last at the moment. So it's not an indefinite situation for Chelsea, but certainly probably for the next six months, maybe even 12 months, they're going to be without an owner that can invest in the club, without a club that can really operate properly, particularly with that ban on ticket sales. And it really has huge question marks over what they can do from here and how they can possibly build and be successful and win games. Even tonight's game against Norwich City, which you'd think was going to be a walkover considering it was 7-0 in the reverse fixture earlier in the season. I think this it'll play it it will be a factor in that game, not only in Thomas Tuchel, because he's going to be fielding questions left, right, and centre. We know how he feels about fielding those questions about the future of Chelsea Football Club, but those players will be thinking about their futures as well. They'll be thinking about whether staying at Chelsea is the best yeah. thing for them to do. Well, there are players like Antonio Rudiger, yeah. who is a high-profile defender who's out of contract in the summer. And we've spoken about that on a number of occasions on this podcast. Will Rudiger stay at Chelsea? Will he end up going somewhere else? Well, now he's got no choice. He will be leaving Chelsea at the end of the season. I mean, that's it. I mean, we know they will be able to continue playing players, but they probably won't be able to continue to offer contracts to players that are expired. And it is all to stop Abramovich profiteering, which is fair enough. It makes sense. But there is a collateral damage here as well. He's in, he's in that like that golden period, though, as well, though, uh, Rudiger, because his contracts are in out at the end of the season anyway, in, you know, in two months' time or three months' time. So he can walk away and it's not a transfer, it's a, it's a contract expiry, so he can just walk away. But anybody under contract is knackered. You know, everybody, because they can't, well, as of right now, they can't be transferred. So even if you were worried about the future of the club, you know, someone like Lukaku or Timo Werner or Kepa Ariza Balaga, if they want to leave, they can't. They're, they're stuck there. They're, they're glued into a club, which is under these sanctions, if, if these stay, if these, uh, you know, conditions stay around, they're, they're just getting suffocated into into uh into to a point where they can't really come back from and obviously we've never seen this before this is not something i've ever experienced in my lifetime watching football a, a club being seized by the government and a, an owner's assets being frozen i say that i've not experienced that i have experienced an owner's assets being frozen with the club i support but never to the extent that we've seen here with the government sort of stepping in in a UK domain. Um, so yeah, I think this is, is unprecedented, uncharted territory that we're in here when it comes to the situation surrounding Chelsea. And you talk about the players and how that might impact them. Those are questions I'll be posing to our guests on the dugout this week. That episode of the show will be out late Friday evening. I'll be speaking to Francis Benali and Trevor Stephen, two former top flight players, about their take on this and how the players might well be impacted due to the decisions that have been made. Um, a high profile government spokesperson has said that no undue harm will be done to Chelsea. And Jim mentions about the supporters and how he feels sorry for them. Are you in a similar boat? Marley, do you feel sorry for the, the Chelsea fans? Because 
Um, even though those who have got season tickets are still going to be able to turn up uh, and watch their team, we have no idea what this might mean in the immediate term or the long term for Chelsea Football Club and their future. Yeah, I do feel sorry for them because they are the the innocent sort of party in this. You know, they're the they're the collateral damage, um, as is as the fans are in football. You know, the fans are usually the ones that get on from the highest. Uh, the highest powers that be, sort of thing, and they're the ones who have to to take the uh, the brunt of it. And I know, I know, we mentioned on Monday's show, you know, um, Chelsea fans not covering themselves in glory by singing Abramovich's name during the the uh, the minutes applause for Ukraine and things like that. So, I do hope that they that they are able to separate them being attacked. Um, rather than Putin being attacked because even Abramovich isn't being attacked personally it's it's to put pressure on Putin this is this is the whole crux of the situation this is probably the biggest thing that the UK has done um in yeah. terms of I mean the, he's the biggest name of all the oligarchs they've sanctioned seven yeah. but of all of the characters involved here that the UK government has sanctioned and frozen the assets of Abramovich yeah. is easily the most high profile of all of those people purely because of his involvement in Chelsea and Chelsea's position culturally within yeah. um the, the UK game within the English game and within global football they're the European champions yeah it's um it's it's a big game of chess where nobody you know, it's it's just rather than boxing, it's not like blow for blow and you know, you'll do this and we'll do that and then you'll counter with this. It's 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 political chess. It's you know, can we can we put pressure on the guys who can put pressure on Putin? Because anybody that goes directly against him, everyone's scared of the big red button he's going to hit that ends the world as we know it. You know what I mean? So, you know, it's not there to, you know, you can't go in all guns blazing. It's it's kind of um, pe- people have to see that this is. Um, a, a sort of strategy that that we hope works because you know we, as Jim mentioned before is he's linked with Putin, you know he's he's in his pocket you know he's he has been for years he's um he's got all kinds of relationships going on with him even though he's not directly linked which is you know the that that is in itself a little bit dodgy but. You know that's happened in the past, and now we've got to sort of use it to our, our advantage in the future. Which is why Chelsea are getting sanctioned, and Abramovich is is being backed into a corner where he's got, you know, three billion a three billion pound hole in his pocket if if this uh, if this works. And then he, I mean, they're obviously we're hoping that Abramovich says to Putin, you stop this, you know, stop doing all this, stop killing all these people for no reason. Um, you're going to cripple your own country as well as as well as mindlessly ending lives of thousands of others so let's stop this let's come to an agreement um and that is that is the hope of this so it's got nothing to do with the Chelsea fans having it as as an attack on their players it's not like oh we're European champions so that's why you're coming for us it's got nothing to do with that it's way way bigger it's way above that pay grade and it's way above you know Chelsea's success on the field so I hope there's no um, you know, oh, everyone's out to get us, type of thing. I hope this, hope that isn't the case. Um, it probably will be, but the fans are the ones that I do feel a bit sorry for in this in this situation. Yeah, we say feeling sorry for the fans, but there are some cynics out there, Jim, that would say, "Why would you feel sorry for a Russian government-backed sports washing project over the last twenty years?" Because that's effectively what Chelsea has been considered now. Damien St. John, a Chelsea supporter, came on the podcast last week and spoke brilliantly about Abramovich's decision to sell the club and whatever happens next, Chelsea is in his blood. He will still be a fan regardless, whether that means they have to start again from the bottom, whether that means they might get demoted or relegated. Overall, I hope the club is saved and it survives because it's, it means a lot to a lot of people. Um, and like Marley says, you know, they're almost collateral in all of this. Yeah, I mean, I think both of those things can be true. You can think it's the right move and that actually there are bigger things at play than the future of Chelsea Football Club in terms of what is going on in the world at the moment, in terms of people's livelihoods, in terms of the sovereignty of a nation and all that kind of stuff is more important than football, no matter how much you love Chelsea. But also at the same time, you can feel sympathy for Chelsea fans and for the situation they find their club in. Because no fan is ever responsible for what their football club does on an ownership level. And we see this right across the Premier League. People will feel strongly about the Manchester City ownership, despite the fact they 
support Manchester City. For example, I know gay football fans who support Manchester City who don't like the Arab state's kind of attitudes towards homosexuality. That doesn't stop them Mm. supporting their football club. It means they don't support one of the opinions of the regime. But that's sports washing, isn't it? Well, it is sports washing and it's something that we've allowed to happen. But it's nothing to do with the fans. And it doesn't stop you supporting your football club Agreed. because that's something that's in your blood and you can't stop it happening. You've supported your football club since you were five, six, seven, eight, whatever age it is you got into football. Yeah. And when you get 30 years down the line, you can't just go, oh, I object to the people who are running my football club. It change, can't, doesn't change your feelings towards the badge or the crest or the shirt. That's ingrained in you. And I think that's why we've seen when clubs have gone through horrific situations in terms of their status as a football club, Portsmouth. For example, if you look at what happened at Wimbledon with MK Dons, the fans have invariably stuck with the team. Like MK Dons is a perfect example. They went up to Milton Keynes, become MK Dons. The splinter team was created, AFC Wimbledon. But people felt their club was AFC Wimbledon rather than MK Dons. So the fans kind of gravitated towards that football club. And I think that's what I mean. It's like it's so deep in inside of you, <laughs> your fandom of a football team, that it doesn't really matter what the upper echelons are doing in terms of how you feel towards it. I agree. And it will impact Chelsea. There's no doubt about it. And I just don't know how fast or if Chelsea will unravel because we talk about the, the playing element of it. And, you know, you mentioned Rudiger earlier on, Marley. I just I just wonder what, what happens now. They can't sign players. Um, does the manager stay? What, what happens now? Because... Even beyond the next two or three weeks, we haven't got a clue what might happen. The statement today said that any tickets bought before yesterday will be honoured. So that you will still see fans in the stadium. You will still see the games on TV. You will still still see the stewards and the security and the season ticket holders. You'll see all of that stuff. It won't change too much. But beyond the next few weeks, it's impossible to know what next season looks like for Chelsea. Yeah, well... um... Uh, yeah, yeah, I'm I'm struggling to get my head around this because obviously I've never seen anything like this as well. So um, I'm I'm thinking who who pays the people that work at the club? You know the uh, the cooks, the chefs, the the receptionists. Who yeah. do they still get paid by by? Because ultimately their you know their paycheck comes from Abramovich, doesn't yeah. it? So I mean I think the effective if... thought process here is basically to stop Abramovich from making profit. I think that's the key, isn't it? Yeah. <clears throat> Yeah, I think I think well, I would assume running costs are, are covered, you know, because he can have. Well, they can only spend half a million on putting games on at Stamford Bridge. That's the maximum they're allowed to spend. So it sounds like I've got a lot. No of money. idea whether that's a reasonable amount, though. Yeah, me neither. <laughs> well, I think people people don't understand how much goes into the operating costs of running a Premier League football match. How much does it cost? How many fifty p's you got to put? in Well, the I remember <laughs> when I started. Yeah, exactly, snooker life. But I remember when I started working in media, um, getting on for ten years ago now for the first time. I was working at a, a League Two club as they are now, and I remember being staggered at how much they pay per weekend to pay for the local police force to police the game. It's staggering how much the the club had to pay um, for that, which which I'm still shocked at to this day. So I imagine going on the the likelihood that you'll need more policing at a higher profile game in a bigger city like London, um, that, that it's going to cost a fair bit. You know, so you've got to pay for stewards, security, police, um, just generally maintenance and operational costs, things like that that you probably don't think of. Um, rack up, I'm sure they do. Uh, I'm sure they do. But, you know, these are all sanctions that have been put into place and Chelsea are only able to operate on a special licence. And, you know, the government have assured Chelsea supporters that no undue harm will be done to Chelsea. But, you know, that's a ambiguous statement in itself, isn't it? Uh, undue harm, what does that mean, you know? It, does that mean that, you know, they might get relegated, but they'll still have a club to support? You know, it depends what Chelsea supporters, Marley, I guess, consider undue harm. And if they think that not being in the Premier League, that, that could technically be harmful to them, I suppose. I don't know. It's, it's a hard one to get your finger on. If, yeah, it is. Um I don't know how this is this is going to play out. I think, I think ultimately, I think the sale will go through at some point in the future because, you know, there are specialists in in coming in and and selling a club on behalf of someone else. If you think of like administrators, they do they do a similar job. Um, when administrators come into a company, they they sell it 
um, on behalf of the company. So I can I can see something like that. Not Chelsea technically going into administration, but a company coming to to handle the transition of the sale away from Abramovich to whoever, and whether that means like a um, an independent valuation getting put on it. Um, that may that may be an option for the for the next few months or something. Maybe it also affects the women's team as well. We should mention, um, and they're playing tonight as well. The Chelsea women's team have been massively successful. Um, this is a really interesting comment here. This comes from Faisal Islam, who's the BBC economics editor. He's just said this on national radio. The government will be saying we need a sense of perspective here. Football is very important. They've protected the games being played. Chelsea can still go and try and win the Champions League and retain it. Chelsea fans should be thankful for that. You've had loads of success in the past, but I think the brutal reality is that it's not going to continue. That's a dagger to the heart of Chelsea fans today, isn't it, Jim? Yeah, and it's hard to see any other outcome. Certainly in the short term, Chelsea are in trouble. And as we pointed out earlier, they are in a bit of a limbo. Contract's going to expire, which they can't renew. So their playing staff is going to reduce. The sooner there is a resolution here, the better. I'm sure Abramovich will be back home in Russia, putting pressure on the powers that be there to kind of take action. As many people, an increasing number of people are as businesses pull out of Russia. The really scary thing from Chelsea, though, I think is... From what I can work out, Boris Johnson is currently the chairman of Chelsea Football Club. <laughs> it, and I wonder if he's can... bizarre, isn't it? <laughs> yeah, he could just play. Do you remember that game he played for Soccer Aid back in the day where he kind of yeah. took someone out with a shoulder barge? I mean, I can just see him playing himself at right back oh, against Norwich tonight. And so that's, that's got to be the most terrifying prospect. So, I mean, for Chelsea fans, I don't want to make light of it. it it's a horrible situation. It's not going to get better anytime soon. But I think the important thing to think of is clubs do bounce back from whatever is thrown at them. They bounce back from administration. They bounce back from, look at Rangers who were, oh, Juventus and what kind of has happened to them in the past. There's so many questions here. All of them we're not going to be able to get into on today's podcast. I mean, what if Thomas Tuchel decides to resign and walks out of Stamford Bridge? It's just unbelievable. You know, what happens to all the loan players? I mean, it's just unbelievable. It, it could honestly end up as Emma Hayes is manager of the men's team if that happens, because she's the only one employed by Chelsea Football Club who is who's a manager, unless his assistants stay or whatever. But if they all leave with Tuchel, <laughs> you know who's left? John Terry will be licking his lips, but he's not th- he's not clever enough to work out that he can't be hired by them as well because he's not well, actually employed by them. Well, maybe his NFT project can be Chelsea Saviour. <laughs> <laughs> the At The Bridge podcast, who, um, who who were part of the network, um, has tweeted an hour ago saying, I believe Chelsea fans now need to consider that the club may not exist next season. Yeah, I mean, this so is the it. thing, isn't it? It's, you know, next season, if they do play games, they're not going to be able to sell season tickets. So the games might be behind closed doors. But this is a rapidly moving situation. We could spend a whole podcast talking about this. We won't do so. We'll leave it there. But as I mentioned earlier on, on the dugout on Friday night, two former Premier League professionals, Francis Bernali and Trevor Stephen, will be joining me. And I'll be putting those questions to them about exactly how the players and the management will be feeling at Chelsea about all of this. And of course, the fans too. So make sure you hit subscribe and that way you won't miss that. But after that huge news, we're going to get stuck into some of the games that take place tonight. Chelsea are at actually playing a Premier League match this evening. I've no idea how it will go. Um, it's very much an afterthought at the moment. We'll talk about those next after this here on Football Social Daily. Football Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. This episode is supported by FX's Clipped, the scandalous story of the 2014 Clippers owner's racist remarks captured on tape and heard around the world. The series charts the tape's impact on a dysfunctional basketball organization striving to win against their reputation as the most cursed team in the league. Starring Lawrence Fishburne, Jackie Weaver, Cleopatra Coleman, and Ed O'Neill. FX's Clipped. Streaming June 4th, only on Hulu. This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot... Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. Football Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. 
Welcome back. This is Football Social Daily, your daily Premier League podcast from us at Sports Social. If you hit subscribe, that way you won't miss an episode of the podcast again. Today, we've been reacting to the news that Chelsea Football Club has been seized by the UK government and they actually have a game tonight in the Premier League as well. They travel to Carrow Road to take on lowly Norwich City. Now, when I was doing the preparation for this podcast, Jim, I was thinking about what I was going to ask you when it comes to this game in terms of the statistics and the fact that Chelsea won 7-0 in the reverse fixture. And I've got a question here that I was going to put to you, which is, can you see anything other than a Chelsea win? But now, with everything that's happened today, um, it's hard to know what's going to happen tonight, don't you think? It's another variable into the situation, but it's still difficult to see anything other than a Chelsea victory here. And I guess it comes down to the professionalism of the players and how focused they are and committed they are to the football club because they will want to win. They may not be in the Premier League hunt at the moment, but they're certainly still in the hunt for European football, providing they're allowed to play European football next season. Let's go and see what happens there. So it's very... Norwich have been so poor. Even with the incoming of Dean Smith, who certainly shored things up at Norwich and got them playing better football. They don't seem to be able to buy wins at the moment. And I'm sure Norwich will have this chalked off as a defeat. It won't be one of the games that has been rubber stamped as a potential escape from the relegation zone or an assist to get them out of the relegation zone. So even with everything that's going on, it's difficult to see more than a Chelsea win. And I also think to a certain extent, Those Chelsea players are going to want to go out there and prove a point. They're going to want to show some kind of resistance for the supporters in the stands. They can't play for a move, though, can they? They can't play for, you know, oh, I need to get out of Chelsea because it's a mess. They can't can't be signed by anyone. But times of crisis can really bring a group of people together, can't it, in any situation? Yeah, of course. It can kind of really consolidate a dressing room if there is something external happening, be it newspaper stories about a player be it a manager who's under pressure whatever it is it can kind of bring a group together and my feeling is that's what we'll see happen tonight but that said if any club in the Premier I mean Chelsea have had plenty of accusations about being a team of mercenaries leveled at and before and the opposite could happen it could be a when the shit hits the fan they're more concerned about their futures than they are the football club and it could fall to pieces very quickly. My feeling is it won't be that. It'll be the former and Chelsea will walk out comfortable winners. Well, let's move on from Chelsea and talk about Norwich City. They're scrapping down at the bottom, Marley. They're desperate to stay up, but they look very much like they are going to get sucked back down to the championship. They're bottom of the table at the moment. Five points is the gap, although the goal difference isn't looking too healthy for them. Is there still hope for Norwich? There's Uh, you know, a chance they could beat Chelsea tonight, which would be big for them. But can you see them trimming that five-point gap between now and the end of the season? Um, Not, nah, not enough. Um, I thought a couple of weeks ago, they honestly did have a little bit more of a chance because they weren't playing that badly. And I I feel like a lot of of people wrote them off um, as as goners when they were playing okay. And I know they weren't getting enough results, but they weren't playing that badly. They were scoring the odd goal and, and not not getting hammered. But it last week for me was was make or break for them, Brentford. Um, they had to win that game. And if, I just thought, if they don't win this game, that's it, they're gone. Um, and they, you know, they didn't even look close to winning that game. The Brentford had it pretty easy. Um, three, I think it was was it 3-0 before they got a goal back at the end um, and yeah I, that was that was the point where for me I was like okay you know this this Dean Smith um, like mini revival he had where he took all but two of their points that they've got this season all like I think it's 15 points or, or something like that um, that was the end of it and Ultimately, now you're seeing the the plateau, and the plateau is is five points worse than 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 they need to be to get out of this uh, out of this relegation zone because they they're just not good enough. It's, it's they're not good enough anywhere. They don't spend enough money to stay in the league. Um, they have a very small budget, um, and that is ultimately what what sort of uh, what uh, hinders them really every time they come up to the Premier League because it's the same old things. They they, they sign a few half decent players, um, but they're just not good enough, um, and that's the the reality of the situation. I think. 
Well, that was something we could have levelled at Newcastle United a few weeks ago, but not the case now. They travel to the south coast to play Southampton. Before we talk about Newcastle, um, let's talk about uh, Southampton. They've been okay recently, Jim. They've got hammered 4-0 by Villa last time out. Hasenhurtl's won plaudits for for how they've played in recent months. They'll be looking for a response tonight against the Newcastle side who have been in good form. Yeah, I mean, they certainly need a response after that Aston Villa defeat and because I, I don't know how much of it was Aston Villa being absolutely superb Philip Coutinho looked like the player that Liverpool sold in that game and how much it was at Southampton being poor but they really didn't offer much in that game and that's been the story of Hasnoodle's time at Southampton hasn't it though it's kind of they run hot and cold and occasionally get absolutely spanked out of the park but I don't think it's a good time for them to play Newcastle because Newcastle are in absolutely superb form at the moment I think I mean Marley will no doubt wax lyrical about the impact that Eddie Howe's had at Newcastle but I don't think anyone expected him to do quite what he's done and the turnaround he's had at that football club not just with his new signings and the players that have been brought in but with the existing personnel there and the amount of coaching that he's done and the improvements he's seen on the pitch with the same 11 that Steve Bruce was putting out and getting a hugely different result for so I wouldn't say it's a good time for Southampton to play Newcastle because I think Newcastle are one of the informed teams I think I might have this wrong but I think they're the team who have got the most points in the Premier League in 2022 apart from Liverpool and Manchester City, I think. So Newcastle are definitely on form. And in fact, Southampton, I'd say I wouldn't fancy playing them after being hammered by Villa last week. I don't uh, know how accurate that statistic is. but That is it, correct. Good job, Thanks. Jim. Because uh, <laughs> Newcastle are playing well, basically. It sounded like That's I was making it up say. off the top of my head, it didn't it? It did sound like you were making it up, yeah. But it turns out you were right. Um, let's talk about your club, Newcastle United, Marley. You must be pleased with how things are going. Does three points tonight against Southampton effectively secure your Premier League status for another season I know it's maybe slightly too early to tell but if you win tonight surely you'd be feeling pretty happy that you'll be playing top flight football next year yeah I, th- I think so um I think yeah we need we need one one or two more wins I think I was looking at the table when we beat uh, Brighton at the weekend and um last season the club in 18th was Fulham and they went down with 28 points and we've got 28 yeah. points now. So if you look at Because we that, talk about this mythical 40 point mark, don't we, to uh, secure yeah. survival. Yeah, but yeah. Wolves are 8th and they've only just hit 40 <laughs> points. So. Exactly, yeah. <laughs> and it hasn't been 40 points for years as well. It's, it's, but it's just one of the things, because it's a nice round, roundish number, you know, people people remember it and, and sort of aim for it. But yeah, I'm pretty sure it, West Ham went down with 41. I'm pretty sure that was the total we got on the season. We got last relegated. Is that right? Well, yeah, but... Like, Break out the violin. Who was... <laughs> at this point of the season, you were probably on at least 25, 30, were you? So, yeah, yeah. Yeah, um, and we're, you know, we're on 28 now. So it, it's, not, it's not fully done yet, obviously, but, you know, we've got Southampton. It's a winnable game, obviously, tonight. We've, got, um, we've only lost one of the last nine games against uh, Southampton, and we almost beat them earlier this season, but for a... Uh, a 96th minute penalty from James Ward-Prowse at, at St James's, but um, we've got them, you know, this week, and then we've got this time next week we've got Everton. So, you know, if you look at them, and then if we can win both those games, you know, it takes us to 34 points, and we can start booking the summer holidays and, and sitting on the beach for a little bit towards the end of the season, or or playing for our places next season in terms of the personnel and, and things like that. So, it's been. A hell of a turnaround, absolutely. Like I'm actually enjoying watching Newcastle play football these days. Hence why I spent over a hundred quid and six hours driving at the weekend to go and watch them. So, um, so it's it's much much better um, than it was. It's literally chalk and cheese from the the dark old Steve Bruce days um, at Newcastle. But I mean, what a turnaround! I think um, Frank Lampard said after the after Everton got smashed on Monday night, like I. I was never going to come in here and, and lead the team on an unbeaten run because it's just not possible. And he's came in pretty much exactly as how, as Eddie Howe has. And Eddie Howe has done exactly that, led, led Newcastle on an unbeaten run from a lower position than Everton and got them pretty much on the verge of safety right now. So it can be done. You've just got to be you know, a, a good coach. And that is ultimately where Newcastle have been been so good. It's the coaching, the, the approach, the... The changes he's made, um, and yeah, look, a, a bit of it is the money we spent in January as well. But it's, in my opinion, not the central 
force behind us going from bottom of the league to, to 14th in the space of uh, eight or nine games. I do think these next two games will be the toughest test that Eddie Howe has had as Newcastle manager so far. Southampton tonight at home. They've been quite good at St. Mary's recently. And then Chelsea at the weekend. Sunday, Chelsea away, Stamford Bridge. That should be a really interesting game. Not a bad time to go and play Chelsea now after after this because of we might end up having more fans there depending on whether the ticket sales have gone ahead or not. So, <laughs> well, it's Southampton you know. for the time being for Newcastle before they can focus on Chelsea at the weekend. Uh, now let's talk about Wolves against Watford, th- the third of four games taking place in the Premier League tonight. Wolves have lost three in a row, Jim. It's kind of put the brakes on their unlikely top four bid. Do you think they should be wary of Watford tonight considering that form? No one wants to lose four in a row and they're on the on course to do so, which is disappointing for them at the moment. It doesn't look great in terms of form for Wolves, but in terms of the actual results and the performances that have led into that, I don't think they've got too much to worry about. They've all been by the odd goal here and there rather than hammerings. And that's kind of the line that Wolverhampton Wanderers tread a little bit because they're based such so much on that defensive stability and that ability to keep clean sheets that when they do concede, they find it quite difficult to then get back in the game. So I don't think there's too much panic from Bruno Large at the moment in terms of Wolves' form. And should they worry about Watford? No, they shouldn't worry about Watford because Watford are absolutely awful i don't know what <laughs> i'm so it's a it's a, it's a it's amazing i mean if it wasn't obviously i'm gonna say something i'm gonna say something that's blindingly obvious i was gonna say if it wasn't for norwich city they'd be rock bottom of the premier league and what i mean by that is that if there wasn't a team as bad they does they deserve to be rock bottom of the premier league on the way they've played this season and the the form they've had because it just so happens that norwich who this season have been one of the worst premier league teams of all time are in the league this season and they're bottom, but Watford certainly deserve to be there. So I don't think there'll be too much of an issue. Watford don't have the firepower to get past the stoic Wolves defence. Emmanuel Dennis is off the boil at the moment to a certain extent. So I can't see anything other than a 1-0 Wolves win, which is my standard (laughs) result prediction when Wolves are playing. Yeah, it's probably accurate as well. Uh, no Ishmael Asar for Watford, we believe, due to injury. Josh King is also doubtful due to injury. And as Jim says, Emmanuel Dennis hasn't quite been firing on all cylinders recently. So that Watford front line is looking thin, to say the least. They travel to Molyneux to play Wolves tonight. Final game we're going to discuss playing in the Premier League this evening. Leeds United entertain Aston Villa. Jesse Marsh lost his first game in charge as Leeds boss, but it was only a 1-0 defeat for the American against Leicester. Marley, rather than the usual four, five, six goal drubbings we've seen recently. I know that a loss is a loss and it doesn't matter if you lose, you get zero points regardless of the score and they desperately need points. But that's something to build from at least, don't you think? Yeah, um, it, they were better. They were better than um, they have been at the weekend when they played Leicester. Um, and they they had twice as many shots as Leicester. They, they had chances. Um, they had a, a, quite a large part of the game, um, and ultimately, you know, they just they just didn't get what they probably well they deserved at least a point, I think. But um, yeah, they they didn't get what they what they came for. But it's a decent start for for Jesse Marsh, and we've still got to remember that probably the three most influential players are still missing. You know, Bamford, Phillips, and and Captain Liam Cooper. So um, I think Bamford's going to play some point tonight. I think Marsh said he's he's. He's fit enough to play um, some period of the game, whether that's twenty minutes or forty-five or whatever. Um, you know that, but that'll be a big, a big, uh, uh, a big boost for Leeds because I think when he played in December, he came back from injury in December against Brentford. He was on the pitch for fifteen minutes and he 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 nicked a point uh, right at the end with a I think a um, a touch from a corner. Corner got flicked on and he was just the man in the right position at the right time and he earned Leeds a point and you know. Coming down to the 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 nitty gritty of the end of the season, that point could keep Leeds up. You never know. Um, so they need him back quickly. Um, Phillips and Cooper are, are close to coming back as well. Like it it, it might be um, next week's games, maybe not the weekend, but maybe next week's games, and uh, that'll be when you can really judge Leeds because I do think one of the biggest things about the season has been their injuries. They, it isn't just down to uh, Bielsa's man for man thing, which is which he refused to change. It's not just been down to that. It's just been a really bad run of injuries as well. So um, we'll, we'll see how they do tonight, but they'll uh, they'll they'll be 
sort of renewed confidence around the club and and a, a sort of time where everyone knows they've got to roll up the sleeves and, and fight because they are in this are in this scrap. So we'll have to see how Jesse Marsh can sort of harness that and and try and turn it into a few points. Well, Aston Villa, who just beat Southampton 4-0, travelled to Leeds United tonight. They've been very hit and miss, Jim. And if you just look at the statistics, 11th, pretty much dead centre of the standings. Uh, 37 goals scored, 37 goals conceded. So a zero goal difference this season. They're on 33 points, the same as Palace, Leicester and Brighton. Is it a case now of just seeing out the rest of this season for Aston Villa before setting a target next term? I think so. I think Europe's just a little bit beyond them at the moment, even if they go on a fantastic run between now and the end of the season. But I actually have real faith in the project at Aston Villa. I think the work that Steven Gerrard's done since he's come into that club has almost already proved himself as a capable manager at this level. And there were question marks before he took the Aston Villa job. But they do feel like they're in this transitional status at the moment where they're kind of in that gap between top six contender and mid-table obscurity. And I feel like they have the ability to kick on. And that's not least down to Steven Gerrard's ability to attract top players like Philip Coutinho. And I think Gerrard said that part of his job since Coutinho came in has been getting him match fit, getting him ready to play week in, week out, because he has been a bit part player for Barcelona before he came to Aston Villa. And like I said earlier, if he can replicate the form he had against Southampton at the weekend, and he can do that week in, week out, he could have could have scored three, four goals himself in that game. He had the chances to do it, and there were chances he was making himself. And if they can get a Philip Coutinho firing on a regular basis, he replaces Jack Grealish in that side. And that's what they've been missing since Grealish left for Manchester City. So I think Aston Villa are a really interesting one to watch. I feel like they're on the verge of getting it together and going on a run. But yeah, it feels like this season it's kind of eking out to the end of it rather than kicking on from here and then building again next season because I think the form of those top four slash top six teams is going to keep them just out of the European places. Okay, well that's our rundown of the four Premier League fixtures taking place tonight. Leeds versus Villa, Wolves against Watford, Southampton, Newcastle and of course Norwich, Chelsea. We'll have reaction to those games on tomorrow's podcast as we will have reaction to the two European games tonight. But first, we need to look ahead to those. Sevilla versus West Ham, Leicester v Wren. We'll do that next after this. Football's Social Daily. Find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk. Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. Jewelry isn't a gift you give just once. It's a way to remind your loved one of a beautiful moment every time they see it. Blue Nile can help you find the gift that says how you feel and says it beautifully with expert guidance and a wide assortment of jewelry of the highest quality at the best price. Go to BlueNile.com and experience the convenience of shopping Blue Nile, the original online jeweler since 1999. That's BlueNile.com to find the perfect jewelry gift for any occasion. BlueNile.com Football's Social Daily. Subscribe to the podcast now so you never miss an episode. Welcome back to the podcast. This is Football Social Daily. I'm Niall. I've got Jim and Marley alongside me. Final part of the show and we're going to take a European twist as Sevilla play West Ham in the Europa League knockout stages. The Hammers away in Europe tonight. Jim, your team against the most accomplished side in terms of success in this competition's history. What's David Moyes' game plan to upset Sevilla tonight, do you think? I think he'll stick with what he knows and it could be really interesting because what he knows and the way he plays his game plan is going to be very similar to the game plan that Sevilla plays and that is solidity at the back, hitting teams on the break, kind of defence first and that's what West Ham and David Moyes have built their success on since he came into the football club. So it could be 
a little bit of a cagey one this it could be a case of who makes the mistake first rather than necessarily all guns blazing but you know what my expectations for this one as a West Ham fan are absolutely zero they are they're on the floor I'm just happy to be there and it's a massive step why for is the that what's the, what's the reason for that Jim because, because you've actually been very good in Europe this season the group stages you're excellent it's a massive unknown though, isn't it? I mean, being at this stage of a European competition and the players within that West Ham squad don't really have the experience of the big occasion with the exception of Kurt Zuma for his time at Chelsea, Declan Rice for his time with England. Other than that, it's an unknown for the players as well. They won't be used to playing under that kind of position. But the one thing I would say about West Ham is they are capable of beating anyone on their day and they have proved that. They've beaten the biggest teams in the Premier League when it's not been expected them to do it. So they have got that within their ability, but you just fancy Seville with their experience in European competitions and their success they've had to be a little bit better. But that could play into West Ham's fan hands. We like being the underdog as a football team, so that could be exactly what we need going into this game. Well, David Moyes used to manage Real Sociedad in Spain. Do you think that will give him any advantages as a manager in terms of this game and what to expect, Marley? Uh, no, not really, because I think he'll he'll just know what it's like to lose in Spain. <laughs> it, got it won't come as a surprise to him. Yeah, he's uh, he didn't do particularly well at at, uh, at Real Sociedad. I think he, he was only there for a season, wasn't he, and, and didn't really do too much, I think. Uh, just looking at his stats, he won twenty eight percent of the game, so one twelve, lost fifteen, and drawn fifteen at uh, at Real Sociedad. So that didn't go too well for him. Um, yeah, but I this is tough. This is it's a tough game. It's probably the toughest game West Ham could have picked out of the uh, out of the draw because you know Sevilla's um, Sevilla's record in the Europa League is ridiculous. Um, and they what they won it five or six times now. So and they're in the they're in well they were in the title race for in 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 Spain they were second for a long time. I think they are still just about second, um, but still like way way off Real Madrid like seven points off. I think they are. But it's um it's proof that you know they're 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 like a Champions League level team in the Europa League. So they are going to be one of the favourites for it, and they probably are going to be the favourites. To uh, to do an umbrella on West Ham because you look at the players they've got, um, you know Koundé is obviously having a lot of um, a lot of uh, hype around him and and potential. Although that's up in the air because he was meant to be going to Chelsea, wasn't he? So uh, you never know with that. Um, the players they've got are just incredible compared. To, and you look at West Ham, you're thinking like they have been sort of slowing down a little bit in the last few weeks. Did all right at Liverpool. Um, but you know Craig Dawson going up against uh, you know the the, the talent that uh, that Sevilla have got is is not something that I can see um, manifesting itself into a win for West Ham. So I think Sevilla will have it. I've sure the levels. I think in in this competition, I think Sevilla will, will pretty comfortably do it. Yeah, severe away, not the easiest tie for West Ham to get, but that is their task away in Spain. As for Leicester City, they're competing in the Europa Conference tonight. They welcome the French club Rennes to King Power Stadium. Rennes are fourth in Liga and have won four of their last five league games. It's not a, as good a league as the Premier League, Jim, we know that, but maybe on paper this isn't the easiest tie for Leicester City. It's not the easiest, but you still fancy Leicester to overcome Rennes. As we've said before, the expectation on Leicester is to win this competition because it is the Europa Conference and they are probably the best team in the competition. And you add to that their form recently, they've started to do much better. They've had an up and down season. I think question marks have been over Brendan Rodgers, but three and three now and things are looking a little bit better in Leicester. And they're also expecting Fofana to come back soon. I don't know whether he's going to be available for this game, but certainly he's on the mend and that's going to be a big positive in the Leicester City camp. But I've just been struggling to show any interest in the Europa Conference at all this season. And I don't think that's going to change with this tie. It's still round of 16. Potentially when it gets to the semis and the finals, I think Leicester City fans might start to perk up a little bit and show a little bit more love for this when there's a sniff of silverware. But it still feels a long way off at the moment. You don't think it's now that they're going to prioritise it or the supporters will be up for it because it is the knockout stages. And of course, the chances of them reaching the top four are slim to none. The chances of them reaching European football 
is very, very slim via a league finish. So they could get into the Europa League if they win this. So maybe this is where all of the eggs are going now in terms of baskets. I think I think the club will be taking it seriously at this point. And I think it is a chance of silverware. And they will look at it as exactly that, a chance to win silverware. But in terms of the fans, I don't know, would you be rather be last 16 in the Europa Conference or would you rather be last 16 in the League Cup? You'd probably say the League Cup. And when you look at the status of that competition, people don't get excited about that until the quarters or the semis. So I still think it's a little way off at the moment. But I just think if you look at the teams in it, there's a reason for Leicester to be excited. That puts the pressure on them, of course. But if you look at the teams that are in the competition left... It works both ways. You look at the teams that are in it and you go, oh, Rens are probably one of the strongest teams. It kind of, it's, it's uninspiring, whereas I look at it from a West Ham point of view, and Marley's right, Sevilla's probably the worst draw in terms of progression in that competition. But at the same time, as a West Ham fan experiencing European competition for the first time, it's exciting to play teams like Sevilla. So they kind of play off against each other. You don't want to be handed a trophy. There's no victory in just being handed something because it's a poor competition and you're the best team in it you want to play the best to win it and I think that's the challenge that Leicester City fans have with getting excited about the Europa Conference is it's a poor competition with poor teams if you're a Leicester City fan and I'm wrong feel free to let me know but that's the kind of sense I get at the moment yeah well it's interestingly because it feels like maybe a corner is being turned but we've said that on a couple of occasions this season it's never materialized for Leicester Jim highlighted Marley that Fafana could be on his way back, um, certainly a comeback is in the offing. He's just signed a new deal. Jamie Vardy's return from injury. The mood does seem to have lifted at King Power Stadium a little bit recently. It does, yeah. I think Vardy's actually out again, I think, now. Um, apparently he's done something. <laughs> I don't know how. He was on the pitch for 20 minutes, but he's done something and he's out for another couple of weeks. So that's another little blow they've had. But I, yeah, the, the the ship does team, seem to be turning at, uh, at Leicester. Um, it was... It was on choppy waters for a bit, wasn't it, with um, with the sort of run of form towards the start of this year. Um, but I do think they're, they're showing signs of coming back to the best now. And Fafana's return will, will help them massively if that's in the next two or three weeks or so. Um, and I, I think this is a really good test tonight. I think Renner are a decent side. Um, I think, you know, with the Conference League, you know, playing Randers, for example, you don't get in, in the last round... They they don't get anything out of that. You go to you go to Randers and you you smash them, and then you think, oh well, that was that was easy. This this competition's a bit of a joke, um, and then you get you get Ren in the next round. Ren are a very capable team in in France, um, and you look around the draw, and there's Roma, PSV, Marseille, all in this tournament. Feyenoord, so there's some decent teams in this in this tournament. This is where it starts to get serious, and this is where. I think Leicester need to really, you know, you, t- you talked before now about putting eggs in baskets. I'd I'd chuck everything at this comp at this competition now, and and I would be the first first team to ever lift it. And uh, Rogers will will uh, well, he came out with that quote, didn't he? Um, when when they dropped out the Europa League into this and said, I don't really know what it is. Um, it'd be kind of funny if he if he ended up winning it <laughs> um, and and saving his team's season really. So that'd be that'd be uh, kind of funny. So. I think they should start taking it seriously, and I think I think they will um, as a club, and I think they will, especially if they get through this round and and you know pick out you know Marseille for example in the next round, and then there's a potential final against Jose Mourinho's Roma, as because uh, all of a sudden that looks like a a genuine really good game that and anyone would watch, a neutral would watch that, so that'd be. Uh, That'd be nice, but we'll have to see if they can get past Ren first. Yeah, certainly. First leg of that game in the Europa Conference League tonight at King Power Stadium. And that brings an end to today's Football Social Daily, a marathon episode, Premier League games to talk about, European fixtures, and of course, the situation regarding Chelsea. We'll have reaction to that Chelsea news on tomorrow's show. Obviously, if you hit subscribe, that way you won't miss that episode. We'll be back again every single day of the Premier League season between now and the end of the campaign. We will keep you posted here on Football Social Daily. We are the only podcast that will do that for you but from myself Jim and Marley that's it for today and we'll catch you again next time Football Social Daily find more great sport at sport-social.co.uk